Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of the Catchable Podcast with reoccurring guest Drak. Hello. Well, we've got so, some new ships to talk about, so it seemed like a good time, as always. Well, there's, yeah. there's never a bad reason to have Drak. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so, yeah, there has been a new ship line announced uh, with the American uh, hybrids, and then there are also some premiums announced we're going to yeah. talk about. Mm -hmm. And I guess the first ship is the, the Nebraska, where, well, Jedi and I have already speculated what's how that it's based on. Is that like in North Carolina? Yes. Um, yeah, it is actually. That, believe it or not, that this is the funny thing. I, I know, obviously, there are going to be people who are going to be, you know, sort of going, oh, yes, well, you know, hybrid aircraft carriers weren't really a thing apart from, you know, Issei and Hyuga and a couple of the other emergency Japanese um, designs. But believe it or not, and whether or not you want to call it sadly or not, there's actually a huge, huge mine of um, hybrid carrier designs, especially from the interwar period. Oh dear. And okay. <laughs> believe it or not, the three that they've chosen here, plus I guess Kearsarge, which we've already got, mm -hmm. they actually represent the saner end of the gene pool. <laughs> <laughs> they I, they I, could I, be I was, a lot worse. <laughs> I was wondering last last time around if these are all like Gibson Cox designs, or were there other people responsible for this madness as well? So yeah, there was a lot. There was a lot of stuff. So there was. Um, there were two strands main. Well, there's there's lots of different strands. This idea keeps reoccurring and would continue to reoccur post-war. Um, I mean, there were designs in the 80s that called to you know remove the rear turret from the Iowas and stick a pair of ski oh, yeah. mounts down either side for put Harriers on. That would be the tier 11. That would be the tier 11 Harriers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know that, that actually that idea of um, rear flight decking the Iowas actually the very first sketch design for that shows up in the late 50s. And there's about four generations of it. Initially, they were turn, saying turn it into a helicopter assault ship, basically like a giant amphibious assault ship with its own built-in um, fire support capabilities. I, mean, um, I think that's pretty much all they used the 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 surviving battleships for after post World War Two was basically just yeah gun fire support things in uh, Korea and Vietnam and. Mm. Weren't they even yeah. used in the Gulf War? I can't remember. Yes, they were. Yeah, yeah, they were brought back in the eighties. But yeah, so the um, the American ones in in the interwar period, there's two main strands of American thinking when it comes to hybrid warships. They actually put a huge amount of effort into hybrid warship design for a light carrier, what they call a cruiser carrier, um, which is basically sticking a flight deck on a heavy cruiser hull with varying implementations of where they're going to stick the eight inch guns um but they actually they actually get very close to you know actually putting one of putting one of those under construction but the sketch designs for the north carolina that actually do also have a number of potential hybrid options that they were considering um it seems to i don't know if it's entirely where it started, but a good chunk of it seems to have started from the fact that when the British were building Nelson and Rodney in the early to mid 1920s, um, there was a lot of concern in the US when they heard 
through the grapevine that these ships were going to have an all-forward armament. They thought Nelson and Rodney were going to be hybrids. Because okay. in their mind, they went, well, logically, what is the only reason to not have rear-firing guns if you're going to have something else uh, to the rear? And they knew from the experiments the British had done with Furious that the British had tried a forward flight deck, they tried an aft flight deck, they tried an aft and a forward flight deck, and then eventually they'd gone with Furious for a, you know, a full flight deck. But they were worried that the British might be going, well, we'll stick all the guns up front and we'll stick a bunch of planes at the back and we get you know two for the price of one. Um, that seems to have been part of the impetus for these continuous design studies. Obviously, with the North Carolinas, they didn't go for it. But, you know, looking at, at Nebraska, uh, it, it's a it's a little bit of a cheat in that obviously they've um, sorry, I'll just silence that they've um, they've put the 16 inch guns up forward um, rather than I'm guessing 14 from the. Yeah, well, whereas obviously. <laughs> Yeah, the but original designs would have used quad, the quad 14s. Which is what we've got uh, in game as the... Uh, Florida. Florida, that's... The, yes. I almost said California there, but no. <laughs> no, but, they, but, but the interesting thing is, again, that I mean, as much as hybrids could ever be considered sane, the one they've gone for Nebraska is one of the saner ones. Um, because there's there, there were a few others um, that were a little bit more nuts. Like there's a... Um, there's one that actually moved moved the two, what would be the two forward turrets here. Um, obviously, it's showing quad 14s. They actually have them aft. So if you imagine the aft of a battleship with two quad 14s there, super firing, and then everything forward of the superstructure is a flight deck. Okay. Yeah. You have to turn the ship. You have to reverse into battle if you want to shoot anything. <laughs> yeah. So it's basically imagine Furious in her first configuration with that forward flight deck, except on a grand scale, and that's basically what one of the designs was. They were really playing around trying to trying to get something working. But yeah. So if you imagine Nebraska as it is, but with the quad fourteens instead of the triple sixteens, this is actually one of the slight slightly less crazy. Um, North Carolina design options, obviously tweaked through Wargaming's lens for various reasons. Um, but, you know, that's what that's where Nebraska comes from. Uh, what what sort of planes would they have considered for Nebraska? Or did they never go in the design studies so far as to consider that? No, I mean, it's, it's two things. One, yeah, they didn't go into the deep breakdown of, like, you know, exactly what type of aircraft. There's some very initial sketches of, like, basic, basically most of the discussion around, around this kind of hybrid, where you've got a relatively short flight deck relative to the length of the ship, um, as opposed to something like Kearsarge, which is a little bit longer. Um, a lot of the discussion was basically around, do we have strike aircraft or not? And, or like, do we do we have it as just a patrol patrol dash scout recons and some fighters, which in theory may just about be able to make use of these short flight decks, um, or do we also include some you know uh, some some longer range heavier strike aircraft, which we might be able to get off the deck, um, but probably you're not going to get back. Yeah, with that <laughs> well, so, kind of certainly not onto that ship. There's, there's not a lot of margin for error, is there? No, I mean you might get them back onto uh, you know onto a, a larger carrier, and yes, in theory, any flight deck that they can take off from, they can land from on if they've got the you know the the, the ropes, the the catch catching ropes. 
Uh, I forgot what they're called now. But anyway, the arrest of wires, that's it. That, yeah, yeah, that's the one. But, you know, there's arrest of wires and crash barriers suitable for stopping fighters, and there's arrest of wires and crash barriers su- suitable for stopping a three-man torpedo bomber. <laughs> um, and obviously limited flight deck space, limited hangar space. If you're going to carry torpedo bombers, you're only going to carry a very, very small number. Um, so, yeah. And, and of course, you know, even if they had built them, whatever they were planning on build on equipping them with, by the time you get to World War Two, would have been an entirely different air wing anyway. Yeah, I would. I would think designs of this nature in the real world would have had an extremely limited lifespan as well, because um, even sort of light carriers versus fleet carriers towards the end of the war, they were kind of struggling with. Like you know, the planes were getting bigger and heavier and carrying more ordnance, and uh, mm. especially in the immediate post-war era, I, I, I uh, have a vague notion that they ended up with this big surplus of, of light carriers because they couldn't really do anything with them because they didn't have a useful length of flight deck anymore. Yeah, well, they they had a they had a surplus of virtually everything. I mean, they were putting Essexes straight into almost straight into reserve. Mm. Because uh, they just had so many of these things around, so um, yeah, they, there was there was a lot of stuff out there that they they were putting into. And yeah, the, these things. I suppose the only the only thing you could potentially use them for if they if they had been built, and you know, and then they tried to go for them um, post post war would have been pretty much what they were trying to get the. Uh, what they were trying to get the the Iowa conversions in the late fifties, early sixties for, which would have been early helicopter carriers, mm. because the helicopters wouldn't care so much about the limited flight deck space in terms of a run up to takeoff, and you can fold the rotor blades up. So yeah, you know, these the, something like what we see with these designs, but as that kind of self contained amphibious assault Marine Corps assault ship with its own shore bombardment capability. They might well have actually, bizarrely enough, had some service doing that. Um, but it would have been a very expensive solution to a problem that didn't actually really exist. Hmm. Yeah, I, I suppose that that notion of um, especially using helicopters for ASW warfare would was would have been mm. uh, yeah, in its extreme infancy at that point, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the proposals for the Isles were more more looking at like Marine Corps stuff. Yeah, like thirty Marine Corps helicopters to launch a a flying assault, and then yeah, sort of question mark. <laughs> what do you do after that? Because uh, everything then has, has then got to be helicopter portable. Uh, but yeah, mate, you know, the th- the thing is, it's like it's kind of like the Issei and Hugo in World War Two. If you think really hard, you might be able to come up with some kind of use for it. But then the next question that comes up is, well, why don't you just use something that's designed for mm-hmm. that in the first place? Um, and, you know, in the, even if they had built these things in a post-war environment where you've got independences, the, the two Saipans and a billion and one Essexes floating around, why would you go through the expense of once you get into the helicopters as anti-sub warfare platforms thing why would you go through the expense of keeping one of these running with 20 helicopters on it when you can just pull an essex out of reserve run it cheaper and have twice as many helicopters 
This, I mean, this actually, you having mentioned Furious, does make me wonder if we'll see that in-game at some point now as well, that they've decided that... Hybrid, yeah, well, uh, I mean, we've got Furious in her flat deck character. Yes, um, hybrid but, Furious. Yeah, can you <laughs> can you imagine somebody trying desperately to make u- utility out of a single every mounted 18-inch gun? <laughs> <laughs> in like a, well, probably a tier... No, even in a tier six game, that's not going to work. You'd have yeah, to. Yeah, like I don't. A... I don't know. You'd have to give it like amazing secondaries to work, really. Which would which would be a huge huge stretch of plausibility, considering that yeah. Furious was secondaries. I mean, she has a lot of them, but they're the triple fours, which are notoriously awful, awful weapons. Um, <laughs> it would it would be. I mean, I suppose you could see it as maybe a seriously overpowered tier four carrier. Secondary build tier four yeah. high speed battle carrier with like one squadron and a single eighteen inch gun. <laughs> well, I mean, at that point, you maybe even just make the eighteen inch gun an AI control secretary. <laughs> yeah, well, secondary in the game. That would be quite hilarious. Um, but yeah, so that that's Nebraska. Um. Now, when when it comes to Delaware, Delaware's a slightly weird one, to be honest, because it, it's almost a, a mini Kearsage in some ways. It's like it's like an Iowa minus one gun, but then with a central flight deck. Um, I mean, on the picture, the flight deck looks like really short. Maybe it's just a picture, but it's uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to tell without a like a top down view. Yeah, well. I mean, it's, it's still fairly short because you've, yeah. you've got that rear turret in there. The thing with Kearsarge is that, you know, Kearsarge moves the guns quite far forward and back, and it's just a huge ship anyway. Um, but th- this one is, a, yeah, this is a kind of, you're only really getting fighters off of that, <laughs> which would be, um, yeah, that would be fun. Um, this is also actually the one that I found the hardest to. It's weird in that I found it the hardest to find a sketch design to point to and go, "This is this is what they've based it off of." Okay. Um, mm-hmm. now partly that's because weirdly enough, the Iowa hull is the subject of of all American ship hull designs, with maybe the exception of the. Um, uh, of whatever they were going to call a generic heavy cruiser hull in the 30s is probably the single most heavily redesigned battleship hull for for hybrid carrier work because of the longevity of the actual Iowas themselves. So there's hybrid carrier plans, there's um, full carrier conversion plans, there's and then it's back once they're once they're actually built, there's various conversions back into hybrids all through the years, and I, I haven't been able to narrow down an Iowa-class hybrid that specifically talks about having a, a twin turret aft and then the two triples forward. Um, so I can't swear to it having a particular ref- design reference at this stage, but it wouldn't necessarily surprise me that someone did. It, it may it may be, it may also be a Gibson, Gibson Cox design. Um, but, I mean, it's... It, it follows the logic that you see in Nebraska, which, well, it's got the aft turret, but it's kind of, it's, as I say, it's, it's like halfway between Nebraska and Kearsarge. 
Yeah, and the the fact that it's it's definitely an oddity with its. Um, uh, I mean, the tier ten has uh, actually you know, does tier ten have it as well? And Louisiana, it also has a rear firing turret. Yeah, uh, but it has the, a quad aft. <laughs> yeah, the tier nine's got the twin. So you've got mm. two two triples and then a twin. Mm. So definitely unusual. Like, is this something that they uh, they there has been designs about this? So why, why would or is Warcam just seeking a twin there for balancing reasons? Or is there any? Any I, 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 I suspect that this is probably. I, I say I don't know exact. I haven't seen this exact plan anywhere yet, but I've seen some similar to it. So, I mean, if I was just looking at it, I would maybe suspect that they wanted to save a little bit of weight. But you know, to be honest, on a ship of this scale, stepping down from a twin from a triple to a twin. You're not saving anything, really. I mean, you save a few hundred tons, which, if I, I think the thing is, the, the problem I would have with that is that if you're talking about a ship that's forty-five to fifty-five thousand tons displacement as a hybrid, well, as a hybrid or whatever. But if you're going, well, we could save a couple of hundred tons here and that will make all the difference. It's like, well, that your ship is so marginal at that point. You, you've probably got some horrible design principles going on elsewhere. I mean, to be fair, it's a hybrid. So yes, yes, you do. But um, <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, it's the, the, the own, again, this is me just sort of spitballing for the Delaware, but the only the only other thing I could think of would be maybe if the, because uh, I, I can only see the three-quarter view, would be maybe if they were, if it was a way of offsetting the weight of the island, obviously mm-hmm. being on one side, maybe they were reducing weight to compensate for that without having to put some kind of major underwater hull um, modifications to keep it all on an even keel. But that, that 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 that's a little bit of speculation on my part because yeah, it's like going mo- most. The thing is, most of the period Iowa conversion design drawings or or you know sketch designs for the Iowas, um, they are mostly all to do with converting the Iowa whole scale into a carrier, um, kind of Lexington or Saratoga style, and then they're not. In the interwar dash early World War Two period, they're not really going for the hybrid stuff. That tends to pop up imme- immediately after the war. Um, just quickly going through this. Where's that gone? I mean, yeah. There, there's a battle carrier, but that's just a dumb idea. Um, just going going through the uh, my little reference book here. Where's it gone? That's. Yeah, oh yeah, here you go. So here's some of the Iowa ones. So um, there's an Iowa conversion, which is the commando carrier conversion, which actually is basically the Nebraska, only with an Iowa hull. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's a, a full full aft build design. Then you've got the, the 1981 ski jump, um, twin ski jump design. And, well, actually the very, the very first one, is, bravely enough, is a full body ski jump. So theoretically you could ski jump straight into the back of the superstructure if you wanted to. Um, <laughs> although that's also where the aircraft lift is. And then, yeah, and then in the fate, the, the kind of like, well, maybe maybe we shouldn't do that. And then 
actually extended the ramps further around the superstructure, which then made two very distinct ramps, um, which was probably a slightly slightly better design. And then you've got a couple a couple more hybrid Iowas, but again, they're all full full rear conversions, removing the th- the aft turret. Um, and believe it or not, yes, there are a couple of um, Iowa design variants which actually have angled flight decks. <laughs> uh, obviously, that's from the eighties, but one's got a full angle flight deck to port, and the other one's actually got two. Uh, basically, it's kind of a, a slight variation on the last iteration of the Harrier carrier ver- variant, where you've got two two flight decks running either side, in each of which has is flat and has a catapult. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I'd have to look through the Gibson Cox. Um, stuff a little bit more to see if the, as a if this particular tier nine has a has a his, historical basis but the good news is that the tier 10 definitely does okay oh. so this is the louisiana yes yeah so um so obviously as, as we said earlier in game you've got the kia sarge which is gibson cox design b um but that as we know has um Four four triple sixteens, and believe it or not, that that's a a slight downgrade from design A, because uh, obviously we've got the Ohio in game, which is basically Montana with twin eighteens, um, and design A was yeah Kearsarge, but with twin eighteens instead of triple sixteens. Oh, so yeah, uh, you can imagine if that was that was in game, that would be a little bit of a. Um, a rage point, I suspect, for some people. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Louisiana is uh, actually Gibson Cox Design C. Uh, so that was that okay. that was basically a reduced. That was when they looked at Kearsarge and went, or what we have in game as Kearsarge, and went maybe not, uh, because Kearsarge or Design B is uh, set six, just six, about sixty-two thousand on standard. 74,000 tonne full load. So we're talking Yamato displacement. And then Design C, which is what we have here as Louisiana, that's um, 46,500 tonne standard and 55,000 tonne um, normal load. And the, the, the main thing you've got there is that they've removed one of the aft turrets, but then to keep the firepower up, for some reason, they've decided to reinvent the quad. <laughs> <laughs> So you have ten guns. So you've got one gun more than an Iowa, but two less than a Montana, but with you know, two triples forward and a single quad aft. Which, yeah, I, it's. I'm not entirely sure what they were thinking at that point. Um, but the, <laughs> you know, it it is what it is. Um. There is a design D, but that's not the it's uh, that's not the Delaware because that that also had ten guns. Um, so yeah, so we're looking with the Louisiana as actually a a, f- a fully sketched up, shall we say, historical design, even if it was yeah. never built, and for good reason. It it progressed to something slightly more than a napkin design. Hmm. <laughs> and. and- you see the the bizarre thing the bizarre thing actually about all of that is that um this single quad aft when you have different guns forward is not actually 
as crazy as it sounds. I mean, it is crazy, but it, it, when I say it's not as crazy as it sounds, it's um, it's not a standalone. It's not that Gibson Cox have you know turned around and said, "Yeah, we know, we're just going to do this." Um, this was actually this this shows up repeatedly in a lot of uh, period U.S. Navy design documents for various ships. Uh, because what they're trying to do is they're trying to square the circle of if you have four four twins, you know, Vanguard, Hood, Bismarck-style layout, then you have a four-gun salvo forward and a four-gun salvo aft, and a four-gun is really what you probably want for the best kind of salvo fire. And so if you've got four twins, that means, okay, you've got eight-gun broadside as opposed to a nine-gun with the sort of Iowa, South Dakota, North Carolina three-triple layout. But if you're engaging someone behind you, if you're running away, or if you're charging someone down, you still have a reliable four-gun salvo. Now, the one, one weakness of the three-triple layout is, you know, yes, you've got your nine-gun salvo, you get one plus one, um, and yes, you have a six-gun salvo forward, but if you're being chased or you've got a target in your rear up se- sector, you only have a three-gun salvo. Now, technically speaking, you can do ranging with a three-gun salvo, but it's marginal. And so quite often you would see at least one of the designs that would come up in various you know, 1930s U.S. design drawings for some cruisers and a fair number of capital ships go, but what if we stuck a quad on the back? Because then you have four-gun aft, so great, and then you have six-gun forward, even better, and ten-gun broadside, which even better still compared to nine. Um, they're usually founded on the principle of why would we want two separate types of turret on the same ship, and all mm. the weight and um, extra com- like spare part complexity equations that came with effectively only having a single extra gun. Um, and they weren't quite as bad as Admiral Fisher, who was you know one of you know Fisher really didn't like the idea of the Royal Navy at times even having any rear firing guns because he thought they'd never be running away. Um, but even in the U.S. Navy, they did have some resistance to the idea of why are we putting in all this extra complication to our ships in the extremely unlikely event that we'll ever be retreating from somebody. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so L- Louisiana is about as historical as they get um, okay. for hybrids as I, outside I, of the I Japanese just, ones. I just had the thought that Admiral Fisher would probably have done quite well in the warhammer 40k universe <laughs> oh yeah like all for all forward all heavy guns fire everything kill everything in sight he'd be absolutely absolutely <laughs> down with that um but as i said it's you know just i think we should just be grateful that they've gone with these ones because thin as the logic may be for the concept as a whole they do at least you can at least look at them and vaguely get an idea of what they were going for um See, some of you can you can also look at this as they're sort of easing us in with the more sane ones and then they yes. roll out the really bonkers ones later on yeah i mean you could you could build an entire line of um u.s carrier carrier cruiser scout um from from the myriad of sketch designs they came up with um, and then, and then you've got then it gets even more fun because if they if they're really really going to push this, um, there's there's a lot more there's a lot more where that came from. Um, oh, hilariously enough, for the for the for the British, um, the, 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 for some that basically I think there were 
I have a feeling that hybrid carrier design for the Royal Navy was kind of where you put the admirals who have gone slightly mad. <laughs> you know, what, what, Keep once them busy. They, yeah, it's just like lock them in a padded room with some crayons and tell them to design a hybrid carrier because some of the stuff <laughs> that comes out of the the British design studies, it, it, it ranges from the sane to the absolutely bonkers because you've got basically what I term British Kia Sarge, which has four twin uh, main turrets, although it's not specified what calibre they are in this particular sketch, but it's it's basically, if you imagine, a miniaturised Kia Sarge with four twin turrets of some description. Um, then somebody proposed, if we get our hands on Richelieu, because she's already got her two quad 15s forward, what if we just um, basically pull a, a Nebraska or Delaware-style conversion on her, more like a, a Nebraska one, just replace all the secondary and anti-aircraft battery with a big um, aft flight deck. That was actually a basically full length up to the back of B turret, <laughs> uh, which is probably actually, crazy as it sounds, actually probably one of the more plausible hybrid conversions because you weren't actually losing any firepower to do that. Um, and then, then you've got, you know, um, basically the British version of Nebraska, which takes the lion hull and just keeps the two forward triple 16s. Um, uh, and then you've got the, the Kia Sarged lion, which maintains its, its, um, triple 16s and then, uh, forward and aft and just has this amidships little flight deck of questionable use that was that was actually almost entirely a fighter ship they but they basically just said well, we're going to put an overstrength squadron of fighters on here and maybe like two or three swordfish or albacores for good luck <laughs> yeah it is all a bit nuts sounding mm, yeah they they it people were just trying to get the best out of what they could um but uh, yeah, the, and and then the, there's the the ultimate one, which is the 1942 one, which you're, you're absolutely going to love this. So, um, it's Kearsarge style again, or I guess um, you know Delaware, Louisiana style. So you're maintaining the fore and aft battery. So you've got two triples forward, one triple aft. It then also has amphibious boat launching ramps. So basically, a prototype well deck, except not quite right aft so basically oh so imagine a lifeboat launching station okay yeah okay so yeah it's basically got two deployable ramps that would come out of the back out of the stern and then they'd be firing little landing you know <laughs> hybrid landing craft dash sea boats down there and because as you pointed out with you know delaware especially the midships flight deck is quite short they actually had retractable extending flight decks <laughs> that would extend over the forward and aft turrets to basically become um, like cargo, basically car, car, refit cargo length flight decks. You had a little bit of the bound stern poking out. Um, but yeah, you'd have these extendable flight decks so that you could get basically full length flight ops going. And then when you needed to go into gun mode, you could retract them like a giant garage door. Some people had way too much time on their hands, or yeah. maybe just way too much access to the rum stores. Yeah, it's like it's like this design's from 1942, and it's just like you are aware there's a war on. You could be doing something useful for your <laughs> with your time. 
I mean, how would you like? How would you store all the things? That you, I mean, you need ammunition for your guns. You need mm -hmm. uh, your saw your planes, ammunition and fuel yeah. for your planes. You need to store your landing craft. And he's like, where? <laughs> yeah, this this is one of the big downfalls of of hybrid carriers because you end up having to store basically, and depending on the design, something between an escort carrier and a light carrier's worth of aircraft stores, fuel, bombs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And all the fuel of a battleship, and all the, you know, the um, main gun ammunition, the secondary gun ammunition, etc., of a battleship on top of that, and it turns out a to be very cramped, and b it's it's a huge vulnerability because you've you've basically put a giant flammable, you know, hit here for big fireworks and explosions segment right in the middle of your ship. And because it's a carrier, you've had to trunk the funnels high, and you've had to take the superstructure high. So you've the superstructure. The island is now, you know, the island usually attracts most firepower and most most battleship gunline engagements. So you you you've kind of put a big "shoot me here" sign right in the bit that's most likely to go boom. Um, yeah, I mean, it's sort of you, you kind of can't really get away from the fundamental of issue of of it absolutely fundamentally degrades its performance as a battleship but it's also not that much use as a carrier either so you kind of like what well what where exactly in the battle line are you supposed to put this thing mm. well yeah and and i mean not not to be outdone the germans have a have a line oh good um, okay <laughs> they're, they're, they're not they're not quite as insane as the british or the um americans because the british americans and of course the gibson cox designs for the soviet union um they will reflect full-scale battleship armament, and in mm -hmm. some cases hulls. Um, the German ones, the biggest, the biggest guns that they ever stuck on a hybrid design were eleven-inch guns. Um, oh well, that's completely sensible. Yeah. So they, they have a basically they have they have like kind of like the Americans they have a line in um, uh, in hybrid cruisers, uh, Flugdeckkreuzer. And then Grossflugdeckkreuzer, uh, Gross Yeah, so they have Flugdeckkreuzer, which is their, like, I guess, light cruiser, effectively uh, uh, their version of an independence class, but with, with, with a gun turret or two still left over. And then they have the Grossflugzeugkreuzer, which are, you know, their heavy cruiser dash battle cruiser hybrid versions but they, they are slightly more uh, we are talking about hybrids so everything's relative um they're slightly more sane and rational in that pretty much all of their designs are some variation on um uh, kind of nebraska style complete aft conversion a midships conversion and then some version of do we have one or two turrets up front and are they twins triples or quads um so there would at least be a certain amount of design continuity <laughs> in that well, what I'm getting from all this is that we can look forward to probably <laughs> several more lines of these very silly designs. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of stuff still out there that they could do with slightly less insane designs. Um, I hope. I mean, I don't personally. I don't mind them. I mean, I've played Kearsarge. It's and Tone and and uh, Issei. They're fun. Um, but you know, let's face it. No one's running around. Well, maybe, maybe with Kearsarge at times, but no one's running around complaining that Issei or Tone are 
hilariously broken ships that are ruining the game for them. Um, yeah, there, there, there is a compromise involved with with operating them. So I, I'd be interested to see how these things fare in testing. Um, yeah, I mean, certainly a Kearsarge doesn't want for firepower. Um, no. I think that's less of a thing with um, with Tone and Ise. Yeah. yeah. Especially and with the, the very awkward angles to get all turrets on target with Ise. Yeah, and I, I think that the other thing is with, with Tone and Ise, it's like if, you, if you're getting into range to engage with your guns, that's usually kind of medium, well, medium, close to medium range. Hmm. Which means that even if you stop firing while you're operating your planes, you're probably in line of sight of someone. Which means while you're sailing around, you're going to get shot up. Um, or you have to wait till you can break off and find cover in a smoke screen or behind an island before launching your aircraft, which then reduces the utility of your aircraft. Because unlike a full carrier, you have to wait for the timer to reset once you've used your, your one flight. Um, whereas with Kearsarge being basically a montana that also happens to have planes aboard <laughs> um you can fight a lovely long-range engagement and then just wait 30 seconds for your for your um visibility detectability to drop and if you're fighting a long a long-range gunfight which is entirely possible with that armament you can quite happily then disappear off the off the map for most people by just not firing your guns while you're flying your planes about so mm. it, it's a much more powerful combo I suppose theoretically you might get that with these things. Um but who knows. We'll we'll see. We'll see. I I don't I say I don't I, as because they they generally don't seem to me to be too overpowered. I don't necessarily mind them from that perspective. The historian part of me is kind of going but there's a lot of other ships that we could have <laughs> that actually existed. And, you know, a bunch of other ships that didn't exist but were slightly closer to actually coming into service than these things that we could have first. Um, so, yeah, if, if they, as long as they don't introduce this another hybrid line for maybe a couple more years, I'll be a happy bunny. If, it, if it's only like 2023 is the year of the hybrid, I might scream. <laughs> hybrid and submarine. Don't, don't, don't forget submarine. Oh, yeah. Well, subs are this whole other thing, aren't they? Well, I mean, we can we can have a good rant about subs at the end because there is mm. HMS Alliance in this article. So yes, yeah, okay. Well, I mean, what have we got from the the rest of it from this this dev blog? We've got um... well, the, the next one after the hybrids is the Ning Hai, which is a first low tier premium we've had mm. in a while, and also a ship that actually existed. Existed, sort of notable. Yeah, kind of, in a way, in a way. To, yeah, to a degree. I mean, she, she's she she's kind of like the lower end of the expression of the um, the coast defense ship. So you've got things like the Sverige, um in this in Sweden, the Vinamonen in and Ilmarinen in Finland. They're kind of coastal defense battleships. You've got the Eitzvolts in Norway, which were kind of, they're kind of like coastal defense pre-dreadnoughts, but a bit outdated by World War II. Um, so you, you, they're, they're kind of, the, they're coast defense ships, but on the battleship scale. And then you've got over in the, in the Far East, you've actually got two sets of people who are r rolling around with um, 
coast basically what amount to coastal defense cruisers because the Thai Navy has a couple um and the and these ones uh Ninghai and Pinghai are uh the Chinese variant um, yeah D- didn't the Dutch have like a coastal monitor as well in in the far east yes kind of um it was a, it was a pre world war 1 design okay um but it it had a it start it's it kind of it started out straddling the line between is this I mean in terms of gun caliber it was kind of is this a monitor is this a very small coast defense pre dreadnought what it like it, it sits in that slightly weird thing of of having a fairly large armament so in terms of gun caliber whereas these things and the um, thonburis in Thailand are very much smaller. Uh, the the Thonbori is kind of self defense, so coastal defense heavy cruisers. These are self defense light cruisers, <laughs> or coast defense. Light well, cruisers. definitely, definitely light. I mean, they've got the same one hundred and forty millimeter caliber mm-hmm. that you find on the low tier Japanese cruisers as well. So. Yes, which isn't too much of a surprise because they were actually built by the Japanese. Yes, um, which I've always found slightly bizarre. Because I mean, it was only a few years before. Um, like japan's hostilities in china really kicked off as well yeah like and, three or four years before so yeah and it's not like the china the japanese and the chinese hadn't been at war recently before then at that point it's like they had a sino that a couple of sino japanese wars in the late 19th century then the japanese got distracted with beating up on the russians and you know fighting war part their part of world war one and then it is and then it's almost like the the chinese and the japanese temporarily forgot that they'd hated each other for like the past 1500 years <laughs> to, just to get these ships ordered and then um almost as you said almost pretty much immediately after they um were delivered the japanese and the chinese are at war again uh i mean they they they, they were um they were both sunk pretty quickly by the Japanese once the Sino-Japanese war broke out. Um, and then the Japanese refloated them and used them in secondary roles. But, uh, I mean, they, they, I, they should be interesting to see pottering around at Tier 3. Yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of uh, actual people playing at that tier, but they do no. look like... Uh, it, it does look like an interesting, like it's actually got a really, really good range for a tier three. Yeah, ship. yeah, I, I do think it's a bit of a pity that more people don't play at the like tier three and four low tiers because there's a lot of very interesting stuff around there. Um, you, know, you take HMS Dreadnought or whatever out, or the, or this. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of the more unusual designs that you can stick in there and just watch everybody play. <laughs> And also, to be honest, a lot of my favourite designs are World War One era, and they would only ever fit up to Tier 3, Tier 4, maybe Tier 5 at a stretch. And then you ask Wargaming, well, can we have this? And they're like, we'd love to, but virtually no one plays below Tier 6, and so the, you know, the, the low tier premiums don't sell very well, and I'm sort of sitting there going, but why? It's like, they're, they're cheap. They're funny. <laughs> And I suppose, as you say, because no, no, virtually no one plays there. Everyone's just like, "Well, I've got this this funny little ship I can run around with, shooting bots all I day." Mean, if it was a matter of selling premiums, you know, they, they could stick in a new low tier operation, for example, and mm. 
make it attractive for you know yeah. buy your tier three premiums, buy your tier four premiums, and potter around in this. Or can what? you imagine tier three, tier four ranked? <laughs> <laughs> I would pay so much money to see that. that. Would be interesting. Yeah. Be very interesting. I, I mean, I've, I think one of the problems is that most missions that Wargaming offers are tier five and above, right? So Wargaming mm. is itself defeating the like the, themselves because oh, yeah, yeah, that that doesn't help at all. No. Yeah, no. The, the rewards obviously get more if you play higher tier. So you know, mm-hmm. at, at tier three, you can't do missions. You can't get any high rewards. And uh, most people take the captains with them when they you know go through the tiers, so they don't have the most carded out ships there anyway. And I think for what what Wargaming's true problem is that they sell lower tier premiums for less money, right? So why would mm. they want to sell a ship for, for $10 if they could sell a ship for 60 or 100 or $150, right? So they yeah. themselves have kind of uh, patched out almost the lower tiers so that they can focus on the higher tiers where they can make more money. Yeah, which is a shame because my, my initial, my immediate response is like, okay, well, if you want to make a bit more money, bundle them. I suppose at that point, then they've got to create multiple ships, so there's mul- more work involved. Um, but then again, they are smaller ships, so you know the the complexity of of building a, a fifty, sixty, seventy thousand ton ship with all the you know late war radars and AA guns, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, surely that's got to be more complex than you know a pre World War One dreadnought, which is basically small hull, big guns, complete. <laughs> I mean, Although it would that... be nice if, if they had, like, uh, as, as you said, a special operation for the free, or maybe a, a different game mode or such. I mean, on the one hand, you don't want everyone to play low tiers to, to club the new players, mm. but on the other hand, the new players also need somebody to play with. And there is, like, there is like half of this game that's basically collecting dust, right, in, in the lower tiers, where there is so much technical content, but you can't really play it because nobody else plays it, and so you sit in a queue for ages. Well, just change like the queue that after I don't know thirty seconds, it's it's uh, at least fills with bots. Like if if people could get faster games when they try to find them at free, more people might even try. Yeah, it's a um, it's a it's kind of a it's kind of a self defeating circle, isn't it? It's like yeah, it is a bit really. Well, once you hit below a certain player threshold, the fact that it you've got longer game longer time. Queues to find games and more bots means even fewer people will play, which leads to longer queues and more bots, which you know, and so on and so forth. I mean, uh, sadly enough, the simplest way to fix that would be to release a new ship line without the early access, so everybody has to grind for the lower tiers, and suddenly everybody would play the lower tiers again, right? Yeah. Yeah, that'd be interesting, but. Um... Oh well, <laughs> we shall see. But yeah, I, I like I like this little thing. It's going to be an interesting one to see going around, at least. And hey, it gives if it's another tier three premium, so it gives me another tier. It gives me another another option to play around with if I if I decide to do tier three Royal Rumbles again for for, for the channel. I, I don't know if you ever saw one of them. I used to do Mikasa Royal Rumbles because <laughs> the Mikasa, This was the thing. The Mikasa was so cheap. Um, and so hilarious that it was easy to say, you know what, you know, we're going to do a 15 versus 15, um, 
everyone bring your macassas and like the the half dozen people who show up without macassas it's like okay i won't get like dominoes or pizza hut net tomorrow i'll just buy everyone macassas uh can't really do that with tier eight or tier nine premiums oh dear Ning High Royal Rumble, that would be hilarious. Everyone would be dead in about five minutes, but it'd be funny. Uh, yeah, so, and, uh, I suppose the then we've got the others, the other premiums. Sun Yet Sen. Yeah, and now these, these uh, we, we've had similar things previously where it's sort of uh, rejigged, um, rebadged almost. Yeah, into a different tech tree. Um, this one at least does have some differences, and I didn't quite catch this while we were talking mm. last week. I was like, "Oh, that's just a Sovetsky series," but n- not quite. They've actually got twin yeah. four fifty-seven mil turrets on, so it's maybe a, a little more like. Um, well, I don't know if we've had this. This is a premium before, but I mean, with mm. the Bashi versus the Izumo, they actually made one have better Sigma but longer reload. So there was kind of some difference between mm. the tech tree and the premium, and, and they've more emphasised that here by yeah. having the um, the Kremlin guns. Essentially. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's basically it is to um, the Sovetsky Soyuz kind of what the Georgia is to the Iowa. In a lot yeah, of I ways, yeah. I suppose that's a good way. Of, yeah, good way of looking at it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it'd be it'd be interesting to see it around, but. I mean, I must admit, actually, for for me personally, I just look at it and I just don't feel anything. It's just like it's it, it's a theoretical revision of a paper design of a ship that was never built for another nation entirely that's been rebadged basically because at the time period that the game mostly covers, China was in the process of tearing itself apart with the Civil War before the Japanese got involved and made it even worse, so they didn't really have a navy. <laughs> So we're just going to in, in, in rebadge and invent some things to make people feel better. It's, I mean, it's not as silly as as them having a French battleship or a French cruiser or the uh, mm. the Saipan. Yes, <laughs> Ra- random things which we may or may not have acquired post-war. Yeah. But um, but yeah, no, but that that brings us on to the, the a ship I've been yes, very no, this, very this, much this, looking forward to seeing in game in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> well, this is this is the one you've been uh, that you've been excited to talk about since well last week, really. When uh, yeah, when you found out, but yeah, um, well, I mean, this yeah. is this is something I've kept. I've like every time I've I've seen people from from war gaming, I've been like, but can we have a K twenty five? Can we have a K25? Because it would be funny to have a K25, and you can't really say no because you've already got like cruisers with ridiculous numbers of guns in them. So why not have a K25? And they kind of look at me, and they're just like, yeah, yeah, that's nice track. Go back into your corner. <laughs> and then suddenly they come out with this, and I'm just like, it's my second favourite K25 design. Um, So it's a bit interesting looking. Yes. Uh, they decided in order to put four turrets on the front, mm-hmm. they were going to put two of them side by side. Yep. So the, this, the, the K25 series, I mean, 
as the blog says, it's kind of like uh, their follow up to the the Dido class. Like, but can we do it, can we do it more? Um, when it was becoming more and more obvious that because the thing is, with the Didos were designed as as all purpose cruisers. Um, they weren't originally supposed to be anti-aircraft cruisers. Mm. And to be honest, they, they were used a lot as all-purpose light cruisers in the war, as well as being you know fleet escorts. But when the K-25s were being generated, they were actually not looking at a pure anti-aircraft cruiser, but looking a lot more towards that idea. Uh, it was becoming more important. Um, albeit you know, the 5.25, for various reasons, actually stayed in the running as a primary light cruiser gun armament, even on primarily anti-surface-based cruisers all the way through almost to and into the end of uh, the Second World War. But, yeah, with K-25, it was just, you know, bigger bigger hull, therefore we can have more twin 5.25s, and if we can have more twin 5.25s, well, how do we arrange them? And you you basically have the the stack, which uh, in this, on, on the Hector here, we've got the triple stack aft, and the other alternative was the this diamond lozenge layout where you've it's basically a triple stack, but the the B turret level, the first super firing level, as you said, has this kind of split same level two turret layout, which is, is actually vaguely, vaguely similar in some ways to as a bit of a throwback to eighteen nineties era protected cruisers. Yeah, a lot a lot of those would have sort of um sort of forward facing like paraguns at the on yeah. corners exactly that way yeah have, um, so, yeah but yeah the k25 series is interesting because you've got this this design is one of them yeah there's another k25 design that basically replicates the forward gun layout aft so you have eight turrets in four in two lozenges um and then you've got i say this one is my second probably my second favorite the, my, my my most favorite one is um where they quad stacked them uh, forward, so you have still have the four guns, four, four turrets forward, but they they're all they're in a quadruple super firing stack, <laughs> which it would have been amusing. Uh, it would have been amusing and very funny to see, but you know, if, out of all the K twenty fives, I get my second favorite, so I'm happy. I mean, that 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 would go really high if you had like a fourth turret there. Oh yeah, but I mean. It, it, it's kind of it's one of these slightly weird recurring themes. It's like in in America, I said in American re- design, you get this recurring theme of an aft quad turret that never really quite goes through. British designs, if you want to find one common thread between a lot of British cruiser and battleship designs that never go through, get kind of forgotten at the concept stage or just not carried forward at all, it's unusual numbers of stacked turrets. Um. Because you think the Atlanta, Atlanta is, ba- is bad, you know, it's got triple forward, triple aft, stacks aft. Um, one of the preliminary designs for Dreadnought was basically that same configuration, except with twin 12-inch. <laughs> so you, the, you can imagine the panic that Dreadnought caused in 1906. Imagine the panic Dreadnought would have caused if it had 12 guns in two triple stacked sets. Would it be uh, the, the Admiral Lord Fisher does not care for your question of stability. <laughs> he cares only for firepower. Yeah, those, those are petty details. Eight yeah, eight. don't don't we don't bother with those. No, but um, yeah, so it, it, this yeah the the K twenty five have the same thing. It, it, it's it, it's this recurring theme of can we stack t- turrets super firing on top of each other a lot basically to save space, 
which looks fine until pretty much what you said. Someone sits down and does the calculations and goes, hmm, yeah, we're about as stable as, as you know, wet bread. <laughs> <laughs> about as stable as a Japanese cruiser. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm looking at this thing and I've got to wonder, were there any proposals for triple versions of the 5.25 turret or was that just completely locked in as a there were, there were actually um not not particularly heavily advanced ones um but k25 is kind of uh immediately pre-war design series is where it starts out as um but when you're looking at the various projects that would eventually turn into what we know in game as neptune and minotaur a lot of that kind of mid-war, mid-late war, large cruiser, large light cruiser designs, they they start off with looking at, do we have 5.25s or do we have 6s? Um, and the, the pros and cons of both. The, the main pro of the 5.25 being it was at least notionally dual purpose, um, making the 6-inch dual purpose require, it would require further work. Um, but as part of that, Although they had the the twin five point two five, and obviously that would be better for anti aircraft work, when they were looking at the larger ships um, in let's say sort of forty two, forty three, forty four, you do actually see some initial proposals of well, could we have a a triple five point two five turret? Um, it doesn't get anywhere particularly. It's kind of, so it's kind of you know design sketch B two out of a to g and with three variants a piece kind of that's that level of design stage mm -hmm. um but but they are talking about it occasionally the, the the main problem that they tend to have with the idea is that you know if you're going to go through the expense and and size of building a triple turret why not put the more powerful six inch in there and you know with the, with that also amount of weight and space you might as well then if you're going to look at auto loading and so forth again you might as well just do a, a, a twin six kind of like you have on the minotaur mm -hmm. rather than the 5.25 because basically the the one the major drawback the 5.25 has at least as far as the officers serving at sea has is range i mean not that the six inch the six inch can be outranged by eight inch guns but the 5.25 although it's got almost as much range as a six inch is still outranged and outshot on a shell for shell basis by the six so the, I mean, the admirals were perfectly happy to have the the dedos around um, for for the war when they when they were available, but they'd rather have a six inch cruiser if that's going to be the only one they're going to get. Okay, I can kind of yeah, I can kind of see the logic there. Yeah, you tend to find actually in a lot of nineteen um, thirties and nineteen forties Royal Navy designs there is a a fairly big divide between the people ashore who are designing the ships and then when they call in the actual at-sea naval officers and say, do you like this <laughs> or not? Um, that's usually when someone pulls an Admiral Fisher and goes, no, this is all rubbish, and also here's something I've been working up in the in on my sketch pad while I was bored like, <laughs> one night in the middle of the Mediterranean. Um, I mean, to be honest, we, we kind of ended up with the Daring's, the, the, which obviously are the tier 10 in-game British destroyer. We ended up with a Daring's in large part, basically because Admiral Cunningham looked at the battles and went, I don't like the fact we don't have an aft, we don't have aft firepower. And they, they tried to fit um, some kind of aft gun, whether it be a single or a twin onto the battle glass hull. 
and it didn't really work out too well. Um, and then someone went, well, you know what, if, if the, if the Admiral is going to be really, really unhappy with this design and he absolutely wants his R firepower, then I guess we're just going to build a bigger, bigger ship and the daring start out as improved battle, um, designs. And then, and then you get the, the classic six gun, two forward, one off turret design of, of the, of the darings. So yeah, the, the K25s, unfortunately, fell by the wayside in real life but but not in game although it, interestingly enough they have kind of they've used a town class hull for them okay yeah it is actually now you've said that i can see it yeah hmm. i haven't really paid attention to that but um yeah, I think the thing is, when you say town class, most people get very, you know, you immediately jump to HMS Belfast as she is now with the lattice mass and the square tower, does, uh, square frontal superstructure. Um, but yeah, no, this hull is very definitely, it's not 100% town class because the town class didn't have two sets of torpedo launchers per side. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very definitely town class inspired, the superstructure and the, the general hull shape. Um but you know, I'm I'm looking forward to it being in game. The one thing the one thing I'm intrigued by though is I mean okay they've given it two extra turrets compared to the, the Dido, but if they're going to push this at tier nine, they better have improved the reload. Yeah, I mean it does have the preliminary stats underneath it, and mm. it's six point seven seconds that they're starting off with. The range is actually pretty decent considering mm-hmm. the caliber, but considering it's tier nine, it's still fairly short ranged. And, and they're um, trying yeah. to push the torpedo firepower with four times four and 10 kilometer range. Mm-hmm. It also doesn't have amazing AA considering it's... <laughs> yeah, they've, it's, they've listed uh, its AA defense as starting with a 40... Uh, well, I know, they've, they've listed it as the seven... Yeah, they've got that as the, the the dual purpose, but, but the, the, like the the AA, the long range AA, mm-hmm. has a total DPS of seventy seven. <laughs> so, yeah. Although, what what's the accuracy, the hit probabilities like? Because to be fair, I don't tend to pay that much attention to the that those stats. Uh, I think I mean they might be higher than normal. I don't know how that compares to other cruisers. Though. I think the hit probability ninety percent. Yeah, I don't know if cruisers are around that usually, or mm-hmm. I don't know. I to no be idea. Honest. It'd be interesting to see. It'd be interesting to see how it works. I mean, this is all in testing now, so or to be added to a testing. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that works out. I mean, with with a six point seven second reload. I mean, I guess it could work. Uh, I, I mean, mean at nine, the Neptune, cra- the Neptune's going to outgun it. It's got crawling smoke, and it's mm. you know you've got the ability to extend that duration a bit, so. Yeah, um, I bet maybe if they gave it the um, the boosted the boosted fire rate consumable that you've got on the uh, yeah, some of the light cruisers. Um, yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah, the like the the Super Atlanta at tier the tier ten and so forth. That that yeah. would be interesting, especially given just the sheer number of shells you could pump out at that point. But oh, we'll see. I'm I'm just I'm just happy it's going to get get into the game. So the same reason I'm gradually slowly saving up my steel, basically, so I can have Plymouth. 
I mean, if I'm going to play a tier 10 like British like Cruiser, I'm probably still going to play the Minotaur, but I just like the fact that the quadruple turret town is in the game. <laughs> so I want it. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, it, it does look interesting, and I think hmm. it's, it's going to be um, a reasonably welcome addition at tier 9. I mean, there's not that hmm. many crawling smoke cruisers. Uh, it's another ship that's going to be in the Commonwealth line. Yeah. Of which there's not too many, so... No. And with most of the Commonwealth line all being premiums as well, it's it'll give yeah. people a chance to just pop their captains around. I mean, I wonder if they'll make another version as a British one. Yeah, well, or I can always live in designs. hope. Yeah, yeah, I just... I get my quad stack as a British <laughs> tier 9. I'll be happy with that. At that point, I'd just sail it around just for the just for the laughs. Even even if it's the worst shipping game, I would sail it around just for the laugh of someone seeing me come through the smoke with every single gun known to mankind stuck on my bow. I mean, why why stop at the quad stack? Why not the double quad stack? Right, so like <laughs> the middle turret. And you see, then you can stabilize the boat if you shoot on both sides simultaneously. Y- yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> even just looking at this thing, this would be a really good candidate for. If they do another Warhammer 40k collab, mm. you could stick a Warhammer 40k skin on that, like an orc oh, yeah. based skin, quite easily. More Dakar. Yeah, and the the whole shape actually works quite well for that as well. <laughs> that that would take an Imperials or Chaos skin quite quite handily. And then we've got the well, then we've got the last last one. Yes. Now this this is. Uh, a, as we pointed out last week, this is mm. a sub you can actually go and visit in real life. Yeah, yeah, which is 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 quite a, it's it's a little bit weird dash amusing to me that it's it's at tier eight because it's the you've got the in testing you've got the T class at tier ten, mm-hmm. which are the immediate predecessors to the A class of which Alliance is is one. So in in theory, apart from theoretically massive forward torpedo spread, but they've not given the T class that in game anyway. But in every other respect, the Alliance should be considerably better than the T class, but yet it's at tier eight and the T class is at tier nine. It it is it is yeah, it is a bit Odd in terms of the timeline, definitely. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, we've we've got two other premium tier rates on sale now, so maybe they were just like, well, we might struggle to sell a tier ten sub, but tier eight sub, yeah, people will buy that. It, it might literally just be that uh, logic of what they can sell rather than. Yeah, they probably else. wanted a sub that that maybe has some oracle value that people might have a connection to because it sells better. And then they decided they want to sell that sub as a premium and they sell it at tier 8 because they think it sells better at tier 8. I mean, who knows? Maybe it'll be like, you know, we've got now two versions of HMS Belfast in the game. You know, maybe we'll have two versions of HMS Alliance in the game at some point. I mean, has Alliance <laughs> ever been, like, refitted? Would, would there be, like, any sort of uh, logic to having two alliances? I mean, the later the uh, the, the earlier version of the ship is uh, of Belfast is mm. the higher tier ship. So you could have mm-hmm. like 
Alliance 45 or something that's inexplicably <laughs> somehow better than the refitted version. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, to be honest, apart, I mean, it's got a fairly high recharge rate for its dive capacity, so I suppose that's that's an advantage it's got. But um, you're just looking at the... Because, I mean, the torpedoes don't change. I think the th- this is the thing with... Um, when it comes to kind of the po- introducing the post-war subs or the Electra boat or whatever in um, at Tier 10, is that one of the biggest advantages of the post-war submarines versus their wartime counterparts wasn't necessarily in torpedo loadout or numbers of tubes or whatever. It was with their underwater endurance and speed. Yeah. Um, and But you can't really boost that too much either way because you've already massively artificially boosted the speed of the subs so that that kind of has wiped out most of the the advantages that the post the post war subs had over their their wartime counterparts and if you significantly up the the endurance underwater the dive capacity people will be screaming from the rooftops uh, you know, if you've got a, a sub that can stay down for like eight, eight or nine minutes, which you know, if you account for the run into the towards the middle of the map, is effectively ninety percent of the game, <laughs> uh, and you, you can't proportion, you can't proportionally boost their speed. Otherwise, you'll end up with like forty knot subs. Uh, I just can't. I can't wait till someone suggests sticking um, USS Albacore in the game. <laughs> I mean that th- that thing was historically like thirty knots, thirty thirty three knots underwater anyway. So who knows what on earth you'd have to do to that to make it a tier ten? I mean it was un- as an unarmed prototype, but if you were made a theoretically armed version, you could you could pl- come up with some very broken builds for that. Yes. Um, I-, I suppose the main reason they put it at tier eight is because you've only got four tubes forward. Whereas all, all the tier tens have at least six. I mean, you could, you know, change that with like the reload. And balance yeah. It or just make yeah. the to- a few tops that you have harder hitting or something like that. Hmm. But I mean, plus you've also got this, the slightly amusing factor of, you know, every, every submarine uses a quote unquote sonar ping to, to guide its torpedoes in. And yet this is basically one of the, First, if not the first sub that they've introduced into the game, which, as built, has a rather large and rather obvious sonar stuck on yes. it. Yes. <laughs> well, you know the, the 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 technology of sonar just it was at its peak in the forties, and then it got so much worse, and they had to stick all these unsightly bulges and domes and things <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. Oh dear. I mean, I'll, I'll, I, again, it's one of those ones. It's like I like to see it in game because it's a it's an existing submarine museum ship, so that that's fun. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll I'll be interested to see how it compares, you know, play in in game play wise compared to the um, to the sturdy or whatever the um, the, the t- British tier eight that they're testing at the moment. The standard line one, yeah, yes, class. That'll be that'll be it. That'll be a fun comparison to see. You know, they're both tier eight, but one of them is a uh, you know late twenties, early thirties design. The others are late forties design, and somehow they're equivalent. 
also, you know what I I just remembered? Uh, it being a T8 means it's usable in the upcoming submarine operation. I mean, obviously, it's not going mm. to be available yeah. for some time, but T8s uh, yeah. would, would fit into operations. Oh, you know what? I've just realized something. Speaking of tier eight, or yeah, tier eight, or possibly yeah, probably tier eight subs. Um, how many Fletchers? How many premium Fletchers are there in the game? Ah, uh, okay, that's that's a question. So offhand, the uh, the black is coming to mind. There's the mm-hmm. Velos, which isn't out yet, but is upcoming. And I'm struggling to think. Was the kid a Fletcher? Yep. Yep, kids are Fletcher, so that's three. Um, what's the Benham? That's a Benham class, so that that's oh. not. Yeah, I think it might just be the three so far, but there might be another one I'm not thinking of. Is the Panation a Fletcher T9? Uh, I mean, it, it is, but it's not a premium. No, true. But well, yeah, the, 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 but but the point I'm get, I'm getting at, possibly in a slightly roundabout way, is that there's a fair number of um of premium Fletchers in the game. Flet, well, there's a lot of Fletchers in the game generally. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you count all the Fletchers, including Fletchers that Fletcher itself, yeah. it's like five or something. Yeah, and and to be fair, a lot of them are based around. You know, museum ships, because there's a lot of Fletcher mm-hmm. museum ships. There's an awful lot of museum subs in the States as well. <laughs> uh, you know, if 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 this keeps going, there you know, there could be an awful lot of um, of different different premiums coming in. Um, and, and that, that a lot of them are of a very vaguely similar class as well, because you've got we've already got the Balao in game uh, as the tier ten, and they there's Batfish, Bakuna, Bofin, um, Clamagore, maybe not so much as being scrapped at the moment, um, Ling, Lionfish, uh, Pampanito, Razorback. You know, these are all. That, those are just the Balao class museum ships that they've got, and there's a there's a bunch of others. There's ten, uh, Tenches and Gatos and a couple of uh, others floating around. So you know, there's an awful lot of opportunity for wargaming to do collaborations with all these different U.S. museum ships and just be like, well, mm. we're reusing like two or three models that we've made and just putting slightly different cows and slightly different capabilities on them. Um, and yeah, I mean, it'll, it'll be very interesting to see, but <laughs> so, so you're saying that the future is filled with subs? Well, subs and hybrids. Yeah, subs and hybrids. If if they if they want to work with the museum ships, that'll be that that that's the bit that's the next big thing. Um, I mean, because the I was the only. I, I, for obvious reasons, as you might imagine, I'm a big supporter of the idea of World of Warships working, like bringing a premium mm. version of a ship in place um, and working with the museum ship to promote it and maybe do a little bit of a, of a, of a share. 
Now, one of the weird things is that, um, you know, there's, speaking of that, there, there's four Essexes, four Essex museum ships. We've got Hornet in game, but it's the Yorktown class Hornet. So they'd be interesting if they, you know, there's, there's, there's four opportunities there. We've already got, we've already got Alabama and Massachusetts in game. Uh, North Carolina is the standard mm-hmm. tier mm-hmm. seven. Um, and we've got Iowa, we've got Iron Missouri. We don't have Wisconsin and New Jersey yet, I don't think. No. So that there's an opportunity there. We've got Texas, obviously, has been in the game for a while. Um, Salem's in there. So yeah, apart from even more destroyers, most mostly they're either gearing or Fletcher variants. Um, the 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 um the subs are the other un, big untapped <laughs> um, collaboration with museum ship opportunity, but we we shall see. Maybe Wargaming is afraid that they'll be a uh, mob with pitchforks if they make a submarine event, <laughs> which is not that unlikely, I guess. Yeah, I'm just. I mean, it's a low tier, so they'll you'll come back with to the same thing of oh, they're low tiers, they don't sell very well, but you know, they could celebrate the re as and when Caroline in Belfast reopens. We've already got the Caledon model, mm. so there wouldn't be there wouldn't be a huge amount of work to rework the Caledon into the Caroline circa nineteen sixteen Jutland variation. That'd be another nice a nice another nice collaboration to do. Unfortunately, there's there's nothing really in Portsmouth Historic Dockyard that's modern enough. Yeah, yeah, you'd struggle to get HMS Warrior or Victory into the game somehow. Hmm. Unless We'd it was something like, I mean, they used they used Great Eastern as the the basis for the uh, for Halloween escort ship. So you know, something something like that maybe, where it's a, a computer, you know, a, a, a bot controlled mm-hmm. ship or model or whatever. But uh, as a playable ship, probably not. I mean, especially game mode. But wargaming has been. Uh... Not very, uh, let's just say. Yeah, it's been, it's been a while this... since they've they've put in a a mode with with ships that weren't just sort of re- redressed versions of other ships, kind of thing, which still takes some effort to do. But yeah, it's not it's not quite as much effort as as modeling something entirely from scratch. Yeah. Well right. then. Since we are on the, the topic of submarines, so as mm-hmm. everybody is probably aware, unfortunately, submarines have been released. Well, released uh, in early access. It's one of the weirdest early accesses we've seen in a while. Because the T10s are missing, right? So you have random bundles, but you have two lines of random bundles, right? One for the uh, US and one for the German. And it's just the tier six, the tier eight, and then in the end, you get to uh, buy the the economic boost. And with the free tokens, you should be able to get one of the two tier rates for free. And then they have the premiums in the, the uh, 
what we put this in the in the long uh, in the long pay for bundle chain you have the premium subs you also for some reason have the tier 8 subs in there as well and then you have the submarine containers which have a chance to drop a submarine but you can only purchase two of those one for the balloons and one for free experience and I mean, it's weird. The, the interesting part is, by the way, you can buy a submarine container for 50,000 free experience and you have a 79% chance to get 70,000 free experience back. So this is basically you gamble for free experience and the submarine is sort of the, the you lose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can definitely look at it that way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, sti- I'm still on my... Uh, I'm still on my minor campaign with with testing these things in the first place to of um you know of using using one one cursed thing to kill another i mean admittedly <laughs> you don't always get carriers in game but whenever i do get see carriers in game my my first job as a submarine if i'm playing a submarine is to just go wide go deep and pop up next to the carrier it's like hello <laughs> oh you have to you know, you'll have to watch out for their automatic asw well, yeah, yeah, well, hazards of the job. I mean, because the thing is, if if a submarine starts fighting a carrier, whoever loses, everyone else wins. <laughs> I mean, that's that's true. true. That's fair. Yeah, no one complains when that happens. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued to see what happens. I mean, I obviously, as you as you know, there's been a huge amount of of outrage and fuss about having carrier uh, submarines in the game for a while, but now they're beginning to proliferate in slightly larger numbers. I mean, I don't know if it's just me, but I haven't noticed as much salt about it in chat and so forth as I used to when there were fewer of them. I don't I mean, know I- if that's the thing. If, if maybe I'm just running into some unusually polite players. I, I feel like I've... the sort has increased over the time. What I have to say is I haven't run into too many submarines since they've been released, but mostly that you, mm. I, I mostly play higher tiers, and since there are no mm. tier 10 submarines in the game currently, you'd have yeah. to run into a tier 8, and mm. you'd have to avail to have a tier 8 already. So we, we shall see the number you could uh, run into, I suppose. Mm. Yeah. I, I, I've, just, I've been playing just in an effort to collect all my cont- containers from the anniversary event. So I've been all up and down the, the tiers, and you know, I've seen one or two sub combos, but I've generally found, to be honest, actually, that I haven't yet come across a game where a sub's been a particularly major factor. You've either had a sub player who obviously has no idea what they're doing, is completely hopeless, and basically doesn't affect the course of the game at all. It was like... I think at one point a sub shot at me three times with three separate salvos, and I didn't even notice. <laughs> um, I was just merrily gun- blazing away with guns, and occasionally you'd hear the did it, did it, I was like, oh, I'm being shot with torpedoes. Quickly sort of zoom out. Oh, they're not going to hit me. Right, fine, go back in. Um, or occasionally take one sort of low damage hit. And then, and then you know, it was like about three minutes into that whole sequence, I suddenly heard the, you know, the little, um, ping sound you get when the sonar hits you. And I was like And then it clicked. I was like, there's no torpedo carrying enemy ships in the map here. I was like, oh, I've been being shot at with this by a sub all this time. Right. Wow, this guy must be bad. Because <laughs> um, um, I was not taking any evasive action 
consciously at all. Um, so I've either come across those or occasionally when I've come across sub drivers who actually, you know, they vaguely seem to know what they're doing. Um, other people are really like hyper aggressive in their use of the anti-sub airstrikes and, and um, like destroyers and cruisers running you down and everything. So there certainly seem to be some people who've got who've got their have got their anti sub warfare tactics ironed out quite quite well. Um, I, I mean, it. I think people, generally speaking, are as keen to kill submarines as they are to kill carriers if they get the chance. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, we 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 shall have to see. Um, one one thing that I've definitely come to appreciate in the past few months playing World of Warships is that my in-game experience is not necessarily what everyone else's in-game experience is. So, uh, yeah, so I haven't noticed too much hate towards the subs, but that, that may be different at different different levels. And, of course, offline, offline, what you hear offline versus what people happen to type into chat. <laughs> yeah. Two, again, is two very different things. Oh, well, we, we shall see. Indeed. So do we have any other things to talk about? <laughs> um, I, there, I mean, there's, there's going to be, I mean, we mentioned the Velos, there's going to be a community mm -hmm. event aboard that if you happen to be in Greece. Mm-hmm. Um... There's a guide to the Vallejo, and there's uh, the next Kings of the Sea thing is is happening rather soon. I think it's it already started yesterday, and they actually. Oh, was brought... it this weekend? Okay, right. I thought it was next weekend for some reason. They, I mean, it might already be over, but they they kind of brought back the the Kings of the Sea collection. Also, I've realized most people haven't actually collected it yet. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not even so, close. <laughs> so if you if you can time travel back to uh, yesterday when when King of the Sea happened, then you can watch it and get the container. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, I think there was the, then some uh, uh, other King of the Sea today, and uh, they also said that there will be some in the weekly ships logs articles. So there might be some buttons hidden where you can get King of the Sea containers. And I think you can buy some more in the armory for community tokens, right? They they are but a limited amount because you know they they yeah, want they to give you a chance you... to complete the collection, but not that big of a chance. They usually limit you to like one or two, maybe three, if they're feeling generous for those sort of things. Also, uh, wargaming is clearly branching out into cooking shows now. You can there is a spicy or not spicy event where you can basically. <laughs> yeah, this. Choose your team, but you can also participate in a survey. What's your favorite dish? Well, you have four. And they they said that in the future they will share recipes of those dishes. All right. So I I don't know. If maybe it's the business is going so bad that I've decided to open a cooking <laughs> channel. <now. laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get we'll get uh, cooking streams on their Twitch instead of <laughs> who who wants to watch warships now? Nah, let's let's watch them cook. That's obviously what we're after. Na naval cooking streams. It's just like if they if they stick with the period that the game covers, it'll just be like 
and here's another food product in a tin. <laughs> <laughs> what have we got in the mystery tin today? I mean, I, I, I was tempted to, to just drop them a line and say, do you want me to show up at, at this VLOS event? Because actually, I do want to go and film on VLOS. Um, and Georgia Savaroff and Olympias as well, the trireme they've got down there. But then I was also looking at going, you know, if it was another like event in uh, the Netherlands or Scandinavia, France, Germany, etc., I might be tempted to grab like a 20, 30 quid easy jet return flight or something for the day. And I'm still kind of tempted if it wasn't such short notice, but... Mm-hmm. Greece is a little bit of a way away. Mm-hmm. It's it's not. It, it's just far enough away. It's not the kind of you know jump on a flight at six in the morning and jump on a seven o'clock in the evening return flight and do the whole thing in a day. It is kind of if if you wanted to be there for the whole day, it's the it's that's like four, so like five and a half, four and a half, five hour flight time from the UK. So account allowing for airport security at either end, you'd be like. That that's when you're like you're talking about getting a flight at like nine ten o'clock the previous I'm, night. I'm tempted to make some sort of joke there about Greek epics and you know voyages <laughs> that that don't go according <laughs> to plan. But I don't really, I'm not quite knowledgeable <laughs> enough. Yeah, well, yeah, that that's I suppose that's the other thing that would be um, that would be an interesting thing because I mean, when they got it, yeah, it's the twenty second of October, which is. Well, it's two weeks yesterday. So I, I dread to think what flight costs will be at that short notice anyway. But, oh well, good luck to any, everybody who's there, and I hope they have fun. Um, I mean, is that event actually going to be in, in Greek, or is it going to be in English? Well, they published it in, in Greek and English on their website, so... I mean, I know it sounds horrific, horrifically presumptuous of me to say, but... Most Greeks I've met speak some English. I'm, I'm, I'm going to presume if it's all Greeks there, given the community of staff who are going there, if the, if it's majority or entirely Greek, they probably just will do the whole thing in Greek. It'd be easier. Uh, I guess it, I guess they'll they'll probably take a a, a a reading based on who shows up and where they're from. You know, do we have to use a common language, or can we can we just get away with using the what everyone locally is talking? <laughs> but yeah, Georgia Savrov is some is of all the three of them. Actually, Georgia Savrov is the one I really, 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 really want to see. I suspect there will be a lot of Greeks made very, very happy if that was to come into World of Warships. Yes, yeah, although quite where, where you'd <laughs> well, put it. Well, that would be the question, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's what is it? it's, a, it's basically, a, it's an armoured cruiser. So, I mean, it's not like we don't have armoured cruisers mm-hmm. in the game. We do. But, yeah, Tier 2, you'd be struggling at Tier 3. It'd be, it'd be, a, it'd be basically be, it'd be the cruiser version of Mikasa. It'd be the a tier two premium. Um, which would be, I mean, I'd like, I'd love to see it, but it'd be it, unless they did a special event surrounding it. I have a feeling I might struggle to to make sales to anyone who isn't Greek. 
Probably. Yeah, unless they want to do like a world of pre-dreadnoughts. Which I would wholeheartedly support, where, the, where Tier 10 is the dreadnought. Yeah. <laughs> and everything. I mean, that would be interesting, because you'd have to... Like the the thing with the low tiers at the moment mm. is that you know they're, they're purposefully way less accurate to mm. sort of draw things yeah. out a bit and make it a slightly gentler experience for new players. But um, yeah, I mean, if if you sort of stood that on its head and you you get to tier ten and it's kind of like the first dreadnoughts and they're they're mm. the ones that are like really laser accurate, it would be yeah quite a different ex- experience. I mean, because there's even there's even the the, the progression because you've got the the semi dreadnoughts and the the, the full pre dreadnoughts and then the early pre dreadnoughts. So you're like your tier twos could be the the very last ironclads, mm. and then you're progressing through as I say dreadnought to semi dreadnought to de- nearly dreadnought, then dreadnought as you know dreadnoughts like what, what we have as the tier three battleships are the the tier tens in those in those games, and you've got the armored cruisers and the protected cruisers and the hilariously tiny torpedo boats and destroyers bobbing <laughs> around and guess what in in world of world of pre-warships there cannot be any aircraft carriers or submarines <laughs> well that, that that is certainly a big selling point well i mean yeah, they might find right. a way to sell a premium uss holland i don't know <laughs> go holland for all four knots <laughs> don't don't worry they can have zeppelins yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. Or, or they they implement a ta- attached tow line. Someone you see just a little torpedo boat motoring through the water, just um, <laughs> valiantly towing a Holland behind weren't, it. Weren't there a couple of various designs that that had like an attached torpedo boat that they could kind of hatch? Yeah, yeah. The, some of the late ironclads had like a little onboard torpedo boat they could send down a ramp into battle. <laughs> That'd be. That would be that would make it for a very weird AI controlled secondary. It would. <laughs> you know why not the, the different version of a carrier, right? You have a ship mm. that launches smaller ships. Yeah, and and then and then you can get really weird and wacky because you know the French the French yeah there'll be no mistaking what a French pre dreadnought looks like. I mean, I I would love a game where you get to play. French you, you kind of get that with UA Dreadnoughts, but they're, mm. they're not quite the full French experience. No. Well, that's the thing. Like, even even the Ultimate Admiral, you know, random random um, ship generator, it it still tries to make a modicum of sense out of mm. the information it's given. Whereas reality, not so much. Reality has no obligation to make sense. <laughs> True. Indeed. But such is life. We we shall we shall see what happens in the future. Oh, yeah. I think that does take us to the end just about. Yep. Yeah, pretty much. So oh, well, thanks for fun. F- thanks for joining us again. It has been a pleasure yeah. as always. No worries. Uh, sorry, sorry, we have to do this Sunday, but I was stuck in the world's the world's longest uh, traffic traffic jam on Friday. But that's always fun. Yeah, occupational hazard. Um. Anyway, good luck, everyone, with the with the new infestation of subs. Brush up on your depth charging skills, <laughs> and uh, 
I always I'll remember just dodge. Yeah, just dodge. And if you see me, leave me alone. I'm going after the carrier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's it from us for tonight. We'll be back next week. And have a good night, mm-hmm. everyone. Bye. Yeah. Bye.